Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring Out the Podcast. We've got a rare summer podcast for you today, but some big, big news in college athletics sports this week with USC and UCLA getting invited to the Big Ten and, and accepting it all in about 24 hours a week. So JT Van Gilder, those guys, how are we doing? We'll hang yep. in there. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, just kind of to start, like, what, what the hell is going on? <laughs> did, 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 did the USC-UCLA announcement surprise you more or less than the Texas OU announcement when that happened about a year ago? I mean, for my part, I would say it surprised me more. Mm-hmm. And probably just because of the geography involved. Yeah. You know, Texas and Oklahoma are humongous brands, and at least in Oklahoma's case, very successful even on the national stage over the last decade or so. (laughs) I mean, really over the last, you know, approximately seven decades other than the late 90s. But, you know, in Texas is Texas, whether they actually win at their expectation level or not, which they haven't for the better part of 15 years now. So, I mean, that one didn't really surprise me that much. And you kind of knew, especially from Texas, you knew that they were, you know, unhappy with the Big 12. You know, I think that they really scapegoated the Big 12 for the – problems that are internal to Texas. And Oklahoma was showing some signs of unhappiness. I mean, I admit that I thought that their unhappiness was limited to that grousing about 11 a.m. kickoffs, which (laughs) by itself would not really be a reason to jump to a new conference. But, you know, you can kind of see it. And, you know, if, if I can give Oklahoma credit for anything, it's that they are very upfront about being all about Oklahoma. So, (laughs) so, you know, it wasn't, I I didn't find that one quite as shocking as USC and UCLA. I mean, I get it. The Los Angeles, you know, the Los Angeles television, you know, there's a lot of TV sets in LA. So when that's what this is all about, I get it. But absent further moves to, you know, establish more of a uh, Western base, you know, you've got two schools out there whose, you know, closest quote unquote neighbor in the conference is Nebraska. And, you know, I mean, I think sometimes it's a little overblown, the whole travel thing. But if we really are talking about like USC and UCLA going to play Penn State in women's volleyball and and things like that, that that doesn't make a lot of sense to me. I mean, I I frankly feel bad for those student athletes having to take a lot of trips like that across, you know, generally across three time zones for sure, too. And a lot of times three. So, well, it's beach volleyball gets to stay in the Pac-12. 
So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, I, yeah they, can, they can play beach volleyball on the shores of Lake Michigan in November. That'll be fun. <laughs> I'd say it, it surprised me pretty good, too. I think the biggest surprise for me wasn't necessarily that they did it because they'd even talked about it, you know, last summer, like, oh, let's just blow up the Pac-12 and these schools can go. But like that it, it happened so suddenly. Like we knew about OU and Texas leaving thanks to Texas A&M getting pissed and leaking the news. And so we had, you know, like a, what was it, a couple of weeks to process that OU and Texas are probably going to leave and get pissed and then start to figure things out. Whereas like this is just a random day and like, oh, hey, by the way, UCLA and USC are moving today. <laughs> like we're, we're going to vote on it today and we're going to do it today. Yeah. And there was no warning. I, I, I think it was more of just being blindsided than even really being surprised that they were going to go to the Big Ten. Yeah, kind of amazing how they kept it all so quiet. And yeah, I think- in, a, in a sense, you're almost not even shocked by any realignment move anymore, just because <laughs> yeah. nothing seems like it's off the table now. But it really is impressive that they did as good a job as they did at keeping it under wraps. It's probably probably a factor of inviting both of the like nearby rival schools, whereas, you know, with Texas A&M already out, you know, once they got wind of it, you know, they were going to try to blow up the deal any way they could, but yeah. Or at least make their presence known, make a stink about it. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And Ty, I think, I mean, you know, in the head for me, it's really like that they can't say that they care about travel anymore. You know, they, you'll see, I think they put out some perfunctory statements, but those don't really hold any water anymore after this move. Well, I, I mean, that's that's the thing. I mean, those statements, the public statements that the conferences and the schools and whoever make, I mean, all that is is creating plausible deniability for yeah. whatever it is that they're doing, right? Like, I mean, you can't just come out publicly and be like, you know, if you're the Big Ten or ESPN or Fox, like you can't or you shouldn't come out publicly and be like, well, we're going to blow up the Pac-12, you know, because then you're going to get sued. <laughs> but you know, they, they have to put these statements out, but really they just, they don't function really as anything more at this point, other than just creating public and plausible deniability. Right. That's, that's well-spoken Mr. Lawyer. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So then another thing, you know, people were kind of talking about, we tie this back to the big 12. Do you guys think it was coincidence that Brett Yormark was, his hiring was announced the day before. And I got to admit, so skeptical of him at first with his lack of experience with college football in the 12 but i'm really coming around to it based on his like the connections and then the brand exposure he can give the conference but we'll see i don't know do you guys think that that was coincidence or do you think that, that they knew something i think it was 100 percent coincidence like it just like i really think nobody knew what was happening with usc and ucla it was just they had made their decision and you know he was going to start at the start of the fiscal year and so they made the announcement I think, yeah, no way they would have known ahead of time that that was going on. Or even if they had rumblings, I don't think it it mattered in that decision. Mm -hmm. But as far as like, you know, his background in college athletics, and, you know, I've seen this a lot too. And I don't think that's, I think it's actually a good thing right now because college athletics as it's becoming right now is nothing like it's been for the past however, you know, 20, 30, 50 years. Like it's, it's all different. The calculus has changed. And you need somebody that isn't steeped in the background of it, that can look at everything from outside the box and from an entertainment perspective, because it's all about entertainment now, right? It's all about putting your brands out there. It's all about, 
you know, even your, your star athletes. Now it's, it's moving towards that NFL model of how we're promoting our teams and our brands. And so you need somebody that that's used to dealing with all that. And, you know, I think the only better hire would have maybe been an NFL executive, you know, that's used to dealing with the world of professional sports to deal with a world of rapidly evolving semi-professional sports and go from there. But I, you know, he's got huge credentials. He's dealt with athletics before. I mean, he's been in the NBA, he's been with NASCAR. So it's not like he doesn't know what he's doing with sports, but he, I mean, he's, he's got it. It seems like he's got a ton of connections, like mm-hmm. deep pocket kind of connections. So that could only be a good thing in this situation. Yeah. I, I also think it's probably coincidence. I mean, the maneuvering certainly started many months ago, you know, if not, you know, a year or more ago, but you know, it probably certainly didn't hurt anybody to think like, well, the big 12 is kind of directionless, which is not exactly an uncommon feature of the big 12. But, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I agree in a general sense that I think that, you know, you need to have somebody who is prepared to throw out suggestions that 20 years ago would have been laughed out of the room. Right. You know, I mean, people like Bob Bowlesby and Chuck Ninus are going to tend to do things the more conventional way, the historically conventional way. And, if we can get some new thinking in here and some better branding, I think maybe we have a chance. I mean, candidly, I'm a little bit skeptical of everything just because I think that TV is pulling the strings pretty much across the board and <laughs> trying to do it yeah. quietly. Just to be clear, when you say TV, you mean Fox and ESPN essentially. Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean the, I mean those two entities mostly. You know, because you know the Big Twelve. You know, whoever's leading the Big Twelve can always go to. The TV partners and say, well, hey, we want to add these schools. And they're, you know, they're going to be like, well, we're not going to pay you, you know, like it's going to dilute your your revenue basically. Like they're not worth enough to renegotiate, you know. Or if they were, you know, I mean, it might it might matter, but I I don't know. I mean, I don't know where all this is going. I mean, everybody's anybody's guess is is good and probably better than mine, but I'm just not sure what the TV partners feel like they have in store for the Big Twelve at this point. Yeah. And so I guess the big question for us then, and uh, this is really kind of open-ended, but what should the Big 12 be doing right now to put itself in the best position? I mean, from my perspective, it's, I mean, it's tough to predict and it's tough as a, you know, as a fan, as an outsider to know what's really going on. I think we have to assume that the Big Ten's clear end game here is Notre Dame. Like they want to force Notre Dame to join the Big Ten. Because that's the truth. I mean, really, of the truly available, you know, programs, you know, the the programs that you could say we could reasonably poach from their existing situation, Notre Dame is the most valuable by far. So I think that, I mean, but that that opens up a whole bunch of questions beyond that. You know, I mean, everybody's focusing on the Pac-12 right now because USC and UCLA came from the Pac-12, and there's you know there's questions about the stability and could the Big 12 try to poach some of the teams from the Pac-12? And is the Big 10 interested in other teams from the Pac-12? They've said so far they're not. But then you see John Wilner, who I generally consider one of the more reliable sources, saying that the Big 10 may not be done. So who knows? But even though the focus has generally been on the Pac-12 and typically Oregon, I mean, Oregon, uh, Washington, Stanford are probably the next ones in line. Uh, as you know, as far as TV value, people are really kind of forgetting about the ACC and what do the Big Ten and the SEC see in the when their TV partners obviously 
you know, what do they see in the ACC? Do they see value in North Carolina and Clemson and Virginia, Florida State, Miami? You know, like, are they looking there next? You know, how big do they want to get? I mean, I don't want to digress too far and, and talk for 30 minutes, but, you know, there are so many questions. There are so many possibilities. Yeah. Like, as far as what the Big 12 should do, like, you know, if they want to maximize their their standing and their ability to bring in TV money, I mean, I think Oregon is clearly the next best brand available. I'm sure that Oregon is waiting, and probably not probably not idly waiting, but waiting for that Big Ten mm-hmm. call to come if Notre Dame doesn't play out, or even if Notre Dame does play out. But I think if I were the Big Twelve, I would be. I would have my list of probably the six programs that I want out of the Pac-12, and I think it's pretty obvious that probably goes some order of Oregon, Washington, the Arizona schools, Utah, and Colorado. And I would, you know, I would consider just putting pressure on the ones that you want. You know, are we going to, you know, go for the gut shot of the Arizona schools and Utah and Colorado? Because if that's a possibility, and I mean, we know from experience that schools get nervous in conference realignment situations and make decisions that, you know, they may not have to make if they were a little bit more patient, but they get you know, they get scared and they jump to a situation. And, you know, if we put pressure on Oregon, do they fold and say, well, we have to make sure that we have some sort of home because it doesn't look like the Pac-12 is going to continue to exist. I don't know. I would, mm-hmm. but I, I will say I would be active. I mean, yeah, I don't know if there's really a lot of point in talking to Oregon and Washington too much before they're turned out by the Big Ten, because from their perspective, it wouldn't make any sense to join the Big 12 before they even like have a, a a no from the Big 10. Well, but I think you can use that to your advantage. And, you know, the Big 12 has to do something it's never done, which is work cohesively and aggressively towards a positive outcome. And I think if you're finally not dealing with Texas and Oklahoma, and we, we saw that when they added BYU and Cincinnati and those schools, is they, they moved together fairly quickly and figured something out. But I, I think you've got to go – like the Arizona schools are, are probably a take regardless. You pick up Arizona and Arizona State. Yeah. And then you go and you make Oregon and Washington tell you no. Don't wait for the Big Ten. You put some, like I said, you put some pressure on them. You say, hey, you're going to sit here and wait for that Big Ten invite that may or may not come, or you join us right now. And you put that pressure on them. And it, you know, if they say no, then you say, okay, cool, and we go go get Utah and Colorado. Okay, but then – yes. so- but- I, I think, what, like I said, those are the two big brands, and you you go t- you go make them tell you no. So what happens if you go and they tell you no, and then the Big Ten also tells them no, and then they come back to you and say, hey, okay, we'll join the Big 12 now? Then you're negotiating from a position of power still, and maybe you say 18. I mean, you don't have to add, like, Colorado and Utah right away. You can you maybe slow ball them just a little bit. Because then there's, I mean, there's still some schools out west and maybe even out east. You could still add, say, a Memphis or somebody to to get up to 16. But I think uh, right now, if the Big 12 wants to remain in the in the big boys' table, they've got to get to 16 somehow. Because uh, I mean, the Big Ten's at 16 now. The SECs will be at 16 now. Is the ACC still at 14 or are they 16 now? Uh, I think they're. 14. I don't remember if. It, where the one thing about the ACC teams, you guys might know more about this, but. My understanding is that their contracts are going to be tougher to get out of for the next like 10 years or so. Is that, I mean, I'm sure yeah, there is a way out of it. You pay enough money, but 
Yeah, I mean, you know, they're, they're, Texas, you make it more difficult than. It's yeah, I mean, tougher. their contract is going to be a problem because it does run through 2036 and they do have a pretty good grant of rights. But it's kind of the principle that ESPN thought that they were going to be following last year when when the Oklahoma, Texas move happened. Like they thought the Big 12 was just going to blow up and that, that was what they wanted so that mm-hmm. Oklahoma and Texas could move immediately. You know, and Oklahoma and Texas wanted that because then they were out of the grant of rights. So. I mean, that's the big question. Like, you know, can the moves happen quickly enough and thoroughly enough to, you know, to completely blow up an existing conference and get out of the grant of rights? And I don't know. I, I won't even bother to speculate on that. Yeah, I, I think if if the ACC is going to get blown up, you you have to have the SEC and the Big Ten working collectively with Fox and ESPN to pull at least six, if not eight schools apart of, from that conference all at the same time. So you've got to get, you know, like Clemson and Florida State and Miami and like oh, North Carolina to the SEC in Virginia and, you know, somebody else to the to the Big Ten. And then, you know, maybe even if you decide that's the end goal is to blow up the ACC is now we're going to try to blow that up. Then you convince Louisville and Pitt and, you know, maybe Virginia Tech to the Big 12 and say, OK, well, the Big 12 is going to be they're going to play hardball. So we'll. We'll let them live, but now we're going to blow up the ACC instead. So I like, I could see it happening, but you've got to have, you know, two or three parties that don't like each other at this point working together to pull it all apart at the same time. And I, I just don't see that happening. Yeah. And I, I don't think like some people have talked about like kind of trying to repeat the alliance of the Pac 12 or something. I don't think that's a good idea. That was a terrible yeah. idea. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To begin with. Yeah. 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 I mean, at this point, those kinds of things I think are out the window. I think the handwriting's on the wall at this point for where all this is going. So yeah. the supposedly creative, like, oh, let's, you know, pool our TV rights as a couple of conferences. Yeah. I mean, you're gonna live or yeah. you're not. And so yeah, we are kind of headed towards and this is a Kansas State podcast. We haven't talked specifically Kansas State yet, but so I think the general consensus is, is Kansas State is not in a good position here for a lot of reasons that most of us know. But if I can ask you guys, you know, for a moment, put on your purple colored, colored glasses, channel your inner fits, uh, you know, whatever you have to do. Well, give me some reasons that Kansas State is not going to be screwed by the inevitable march to the super conferences. I think it's the biggest saving thing is I think they need you know, properties, sports properties to sell for these, these streaming rights. They need enough content to make it worthwhile. And so you can only limit, I think you can only limit so many college football teams before people just lose interest. I mean, there's already the NFL and they, I mean, they have 32 teams and part of what makes college football special to the fans is that more teams, there's more involvement. So if they're trying to sell that to fans, on um, why this new semi-pro league is valuable. I think they they need more properties for it. And so that helps K-State. The other thing is the in the very immediate, K-State is poised this year to really make a splash that could help them in the future. So the way the roster's set up with, I mean, we've got several potential NFL talents right now. I mean, we've got, you know, a, a quarterback that, that could be could be a star in the right system. You know, we've got an all-star running back. Like they're poised, you know, the, the ceiling for this team is a big 12 title and, and maybe more. 
you know, that's, we're talking about like ultimate ceiling. Like I don't think there's a cap on just where this team could end up, which means beating OU, which means beating Texas and really, you know, making a big splash right when these things are happening, right in this, this new era of college athletics. So I, those things can really help in K-State's favor. You're going to strike while the iron's hot, right? I mean, they, they have to be, you know, if they, they really want to make a splash, you know, this is the year to do it because next year is probably going to be us. You know, I want to say a rebuilding year, but it's it's not going to be. They won't have the pieces in place to make such a push, <laughs> to make a Cincinnati-like push to the college football playoff, and really, you know, put the name in front of a national audience. If yeah, we don't and, rebuild, you know, we just reload, year, JT. But, right, so. right. But I, uh, I mean, you know, the, the next time that'll happen is you know maybe two, maybe three years. You know, it depends on how great Avery Johnson and Dylan Edwards can be, you know, in purple. And, but we've got to do it, you know, really this year, Uh, this is, this is the next, you know, this is our, I think, you know, 98 or, or 2003, this is, we're set up to do great things. Now, if they can do it, that would be the icing on the cake, right? Yeah. From my perspective, like if I'm putting on my purple glasses and thinking of this as a fan, I'll be honest, I don't care. Like, we're so far beyond the model that I cared about, which was the big <laughs> eight and the, and the original big 12 before it, that I don't really care. You know, I, that post by that West Virginia fan made yeah, the rounds on Twitter that. yesterday mm-hmm. was a pretty good summary of my feelings on it. Like West Virginia is in our conference and we play them and I want to beat them, but I don't feel one way or the other about them. I don't really care. And just so people you know, know, yeah, in like, case you didn't see that, uh, it was just a West Virginia fan talking about how with everybody so far away, they don't really care as much anymore from, from a fan perspective. And that's talking about, and then with the regional conferences clearly going apart. Yeah. yeah. It's it. Summary, right? No fun not playing Nebraska every year. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that I mean, would be like, the time. I mean, we could pick up, we could really catch up on that all time series. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it, it was fun to hate Mizzou and it was fun to hate Nebraska and it was fun to hate Colorado. Like I don't care about West Virginia. Maybe, you know, maybe if yeah. we play them for 30 years, maybe I'll have a reason why it's fun to hate them. But right now I just don't care. But I still from the school, about Huggins, but uh. well, yeah, I mean, that's that's fun for sure. But like from a school perspective, I think the key for them is to, you know, try to work toward a cohesive Big 12 as much as possible, because as you mentioned, you know, we don't have Oklahoma and Texas being the dissenters that cause problems when we try to be proactive and do things. But we still have Oklahoma State and we still have KU who covet SEC and Big Ten invitations, respectively. So we really need to do what we can to orchestrate a cohesive Big 12, whatever the course of action is, because I've already seen, you know, I've already seen some reports saying that, you know, well, some in the Big 12 think that we need to be proactive and go grab the four schools from the Pac-12 that we already talked about. But some schools are not sure, you know, and it's just like, we got to get on the same page this time. Like, whatever it is, we got to work together. Like, no, like just treating it as an emotional decision anymore like this well what about rivalries and what about travel like like it's got to be a business yeah we've got to treat this conference as a business like we've got to make a successful business and how do you make a successful business you keep growing right yeah yeah i i agree it's uh because that's what the big 10 that's what the sec are now it's a business yeah like those schools don't you know nobody cares about nebraska versus rutgers but it makes good business And ultimately, I'm not really sure. Like, I mean, if we talk about 10 or 15, 20 years down the line, I'm ultimately not sure that it really matters because, I mean, we know that at some point, I mean, we we see which direction this is going. And we know that at some point, 
the TV executives are going to be like, well, why are we paying for Purdue or why are we paying for South Carolina or Mississippi or Mississippi State? You know, I mean, for right now, those schools have the security of being in the SEC or being in the Big Ten. But I'm not sure that in the long run, that's going to be the security blanket that it is right now. Now, there are a lot of tricky things that you have to deal with. You know, there are antitrust considerations, there are contract considerations, and, you know, all those tricky legal things that even I, as a lawyer, am not qualified to discuss in any sort of detail. But, you know, ultimately, I would say that I'm not, I, I really would not be confident, even as a school that supposedly has that type of security, that it's ultimately going to play out like that. So from a K-State perspective, I, you know, I think a proactive Big 12, build, as you said, JT, building the business of the Big 12 as best we can is the best course of action right now. But again, as a fan, I honestly don't really care that much. And I'm not sure in the long run it's going to matter. Yeah, well, don't sell yourself short time. And I think you could bullshit your way through that if you wanted to. Oh, I'm, I'm an incredible it. bullshitter. But, <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, this is this is the age of the Internet. Somebody's going to hear it and call me. So, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, yeah, but so you talk about that, you know, from a fan perspective, kind of where you are already. So, but do you think moving forward that this might negatively affect crowds and support for Kansas State athletics? You know, especially if it gets to where like the Big Ten and SEC are their own separate like semi-pro league sort of. I mean, here's my thought on it. I mean, I don't think that it will. I don't think it'll really hurt K State that much. I mean, I could see some lack of interest if we stop playing at the highest levels of college football, but as long as there are games, people are going to show up because it is bread and circus. I mean, this is our distraction, you know, from quote unquote real life. So, I mean, people are always going to show up. I wonder more about what an NFL junior model is going to do for college football as a whole, because when you look at the NFL, yes, it is the, you know, the clearly you know by far the most valuable tv property in the world right now i mean it's like the difference between the nfl's ratings and even like you know the nba playoffs or major league baseball playoffs or whatever i mean it's not even close like they just dwarf all the other leagues right now yep. and i think that the tv executives look at that and think oh you know we have another football property you know that we could turn into that and maybe they can but also I mean, you know, as much as people care about the NFL, like I'm a Chiefs fan. I watch the Chiefs. I will watch other games occasionally, but like, you know, to use a, a Big Ten Pac-12 reference, I'm probably not tuning into Sunday night football to watch the Rams and the Bears play. Sure. You know, I just don't care, you know, and especially if one of the teams is garbage like the Bears are, I probably don't care, you know. Well, and I, I mean, so, look at the USFL, like was anybody – watching that that they just had no championship I, yesterday, I, I, I i didn't even know it was on I, yeah. I i i honestly like if you had asked me what is the usfl i might have been able to guess just because i have some <laughs> knowledge of sports in the united states but i don't know and i don't care and i never will care there is nothing you could do to make me care about the usfl so <laughs> i can see a future where they're like aha we've manufactured this 30 to 40 team league where, you know, we have the true big brands and we've cut out the, you know, smaller schools that don't bring in big ratings and all that. And we've got our, our very valuable TV property. And I mean, I can't imagine it being more popular than college football is right now. My hope, I'll, I promise I'll wrap this up. My hope <laughs> is that 
we are able to mostly consolidate the schools that are at the table right now uh, as far, part of the P Power Five and do a true national, like pooled, you know, TV rights situation, which is what the NFL is. You know, it is, you know, but I hope it's like 60 or 70 teams rather than 30 or 40 because, you know, we want to, I personally want all of those schools to be at the table if they, if they want to be. And if you do that, if you have that large model and everybody's TV rights are together and you bid them out, then, you know, that is, you know, I mean, that's what, <laughs> that's what I wish college football would have gone to, you know, 40 years ago when, when the landscape shifted around TV rights, but you know, it remained fractured and segmented and now you have all these tricky, you know, issues to figure out. So my hope is that's what it ends up, but I'm not going to hold my breath. Yeah. yeah. As a fan, like I, like I'll watch the chiefs cause they're local and you know, I'm a, I am a fan, but not like a super fan and I'll watch the 49ers if I can get them out here in, you know, in Kansas but I'm not watching, yeah, you know, Bears, Cardinals or whatever, uh, even in the playoffs. But the, you know, college football, you know, and I, it's the same thing. Like, I, I don't care if Alabama's playing. LSU. I'm not going to watch that game. But I will tune in, you know, if I see that Purdue is up, you know, a touchdown on Ohio State in the fourth quarter. Like, hey, I'm going to go tune into that. I want to see if Purdue can pull an upset. And I think that's the real beauty of college football versus the NFL. I think there's so much more unpredictability in college football that it makes it as a fan it makes it more interesting more appealing that there could be this upset any day that north dakota state can walk into iowa and upset them on any given saturday like you're just not going to see that i'm glad that i'm like, glad that was your example iowa <laughs> <laughs> i mean but you, i mean that that happens right it's and that doesn't happen in the NFL. Like a bad team is a bad yeah. team. And the Jaguars are going to go at 0-16 because they're terrible. And they're not <laughs> going to upset, you know, the Chiefs just because they're terrible. And even if they do. A Purdue team might upset Ohio State just because it happens. Like KU upsets Texas. Like KU should never upset Texas. But it happens. <laughs> That's not and, happening and, in the NFL. And, and even if the Jaguars do pull that upset, who cares? Right. I mean, it's the difference between them going two and 14, well, two and 15 now and one and 16, you know, like who cares? It doesn't matter. It doesn't make any difference. But in college football, they charge the field and Twitter goes crazy. And, you know, I mean, and, yeah. and for those schools, you know, it might be the difference between making a bowl and not making a bowl, or, you know, it might be a sign that they're about to have a breakout season because they're a better team than everybody thought. You know, it might be a sign that they're going to win 10 games or whatever. Like it's just a bigger deal. It's just a different dynamic. Mm -hmm. no, I feel a little bit more connected to the players too. I, you know, even, I mean, yes, we've, we've treated them like chattel for so long and that's finally changing, <laughs> but you still see these guys, you know, in, in your hometowns. I mean, these are still young adults. They're just graduated from high school. Like you still see them. They're still humans. And the you know preponderance of college football rosters are guys that, you know, you're going to work with, you know, in your career. It's not like, you know, most of these guys aren't going to the NFL. They're not playing. They're not going to be mm -hmm. multimillionaires. It's going to be, you know, Joe, the guy that runs a car dealership and Bob that, you know, works at the farm, you know, he's, you know, Oh man, I, you know, I played on a big 12 championship team and now I, you know, 
cut hay in Western Kansas. Like, like these are guys you, you see and are that, you know, they come from families that, you know, and like, God, that guy went to my high school and, and you can talk to them on a, on a more human level. Whereas I feel mm-hmm. like, you know, you get to the NFL and these guys are you know, multimillionaires and, you know, Patrick Mahomes seems like a great guy, but he's not going to stop and just, you know, talk mm-hmm. to me randomly on the street. Cause he's going to be with his whatever. He's not going to come on this podcast. Right. Whereas <laughs> we can call, you know, I, I see Deuce Vaughn in Manhattan and he'll stop and you know, talk and, yeah. you know, be super friendly. Like it's just, I, it's a whole different dynamic. I feel like, and I, I worry that we're going to lose all that and said, it's going to be a sanitized thing and it's going to just end up not being any fun anymore. Yeah. And then, I mean, I haven't heard too much about this and it's, it's a low priority for everybody. But, I mean, what happens to the other sports? If like the big thing that you see, break off. I mean, you guys know I'm, I'm more of a basketball guy. And let me tell you, this ruins the NCAA tournament. I'm going to be pissed. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, understandably. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah we're still going to have plan is there. Like, could those teams still complete for national championships with everyone else? And then just be the football and be the higher league or I don't know. Yeah, is is there a new tournament? Is the NCAA still managing any of that? Like, yeah, what what's going? What's going to happen? Yeah, I mean, you could see a world. You could see a world where they break football off and treat it separately. But I don't know. I mean, I I, I'd hesitate again to even speculate about how that might work out. Yeah, you know, I like I you know I hate KU as much as the the next good K State fan, but I'm I'm kind of excited. You know, if, if all this goes the way we think it's going to go, I'm kind of excited to see, you know, regular matchups between Arizona and KU. And, yes. you know, that that I, I might actually watch that game. Like if, if it's a Big 12 conference game, yeah. like like that might be good enough. You know, a, a true blue blood that's it's got the horses to regularly compete with KU mm-hmm. would be really good for the basketball state of this conference. I mean, mm-hmm. Baylor's, Baylor's become that, but. Like, you know, Arizona's but you, but you got that. For Baylor. Baylor. Yeah, you nobody wants to cheer for Baylor. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, it, I mean, it, it would be incredible because the Big 12, the basketball in the Big 12 right now is just amazing. Yeah. But if you threw Arizona into the mix on top of that, it would. And really Houston's really good right now, too. I mean, seeing yes. Yeah, throw Houston in there. Yeah, absolutely. And Cincinnati's yeah. been no, you know, yep. um, scrub either. So it's, you know, it, it's. And BYU, I mean, we're, it's definitely, not only has it been good, but it's going to get better and adding, yeah, Arizona would just, it would rival, you know, the Big East in terms of the quality of teams top to bottom. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of KU, how, how funny is it that apparently the KU message boards, everybody thinks that they're going to get into the Big Ten? It's I mean, beyond laugh, laughably hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if you, I, I think if you look at the landscape of, the teams or, you know, the schools that would be on the list for, for the big 10 or the sec. I mean, they're not cracking the top six right now. Yeah. Um, I guess we probably should start wrapping this up. I, I kind of wanted to end this with a fun question. Uh, everything going on. I was just wondering what's the craziest big 12 rumor you've heard so far. And it doesn't have to be from a legit source. It could be, you know, from your buddy at work. <laughs> or from Dennis Dodd, whoever. Uh, <laughs> so, so I'll start. I, I saw somebody posted, they said it was a rumor out of Lincoln, which was hilarious. <laughs> come out of Lincoln. But that Cincinnati and West Virginia are going to the SEC, and there is some discussion to reunite the Southwest Conference without Texas. 
<laughs> wow. That's impressive. Yeah. Oh, man. That's somebody, some Kool-Aid right there. Somebody, <laughs> somebody in Lincoln decided to have some fun. Yeah. So what do you guys got? I think the one I saw was like, like it was essentially a Big 12, Pac-12 merger, but both KU and K-State were left off, but TCU and BYU were still in, and <laughs> – like Memphis was added, but you know, like you dropped K State, but add Memphis, and I'm like, none of that makes any sense. Like, why, why try to elevate a smaller school when you've already got you know a power five school sitting there? Yeah, but it was weird. Yeah, I'm a little hazy on this. It was while I was in Houston for work last week, and I was I was really out of the loop because I was busy during the day with work and wasn't really hashtag real up. life. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> But I did see something in the immediate aftermath of the USC-UCLA news that said, you know, the Big Ten may not be done. They're looking at, oh, man, I wish I could remember. But I do remember specifically that out of the Big 12, KU and TCU were as <laughs> like potential Big Ten targets. And I was like, look, you know, you can maybe convince me that the Big Ten would have some interest in KU. The Big Ten having interest in TCU is just really hard for me to fathom. I mean, if if you want to get into the Dallas TV market, I mean, fine, but TCU is really not your primary property to go after that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's pretty good. And it's and good. nothing against TCU. I actually really like TCU, but I found that just comical that they thought that you know some of those schools. And it wasn't just them. There was somebody else. I mean, I think they listed, you know, the possibility of like Oklahoma State to the SEC or something. And I was like, look, you know, Tulsa and Oklahoma City are not nothing as TV markets. But if you've got Oklahoma, you've got them like you don't need to consolidate them with Oklahoma State. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. It's like if you check Twitter right now, it's just in the the words of Kevin Garnett, anything is possible. (laughs) <laughs> it truly is like I, I i mean i'm glad you didn't ask for predictions for how this is all gonna play out because i would have just i would have just shrugged my shoulders i don't have any goddamn clue how any of this is going to play out right now yeah and we're on a podcast so people wouldn't have even seen you shrug your shoulders that would be yeah exactly i mean i could have just i, I would i would have had to like make a noise or something like a grunt or <laughs> All right. Well, let's end on some good news. And JT kind of touched on this earlier, and I'll, I'll let him speak to it because I know he's more dialed into recruiting than the rest of us. But, you know, K-State recently got Dylan Edwards. They've got a bunch of other guys. Uh, by the time we put out this podcast, it's possible, very possible, Avery Johnson will officially be a Wildcat because he announces July 5th, which is tomorrow, I believe. But, you know, JT, how, how excited can we get about all these recruiting wins that K-State has been getting lately? I think, I mean, it's absolutely huge that they're doing so well in the state of Kansas in, you know, possibly, you know, the biggest, maybe the deepest class at the top that the state has seen maybe ever. Like the the number of power five prospects is in double digits. And most years it's like three or four. And this year it's like 12. And we already have like seven or eight of them. Like it's humongous. You know, we struggle to get one and two sometimes. Like so many of these kids want to go out of state, but they're making K-State a good brand to stay at home. Like they want to get these kids to stay home and, and build K-State. And they're they're finally getting that sold to them. And then on top of that, they're adding, and they're, you know, the first six or seven guys in this class were all Kansas guys, which is great. 
more like when you talk about having a deep class in the state and that builds for the future. But now they're, they're starting to add some other pieces from around too. They added a kid from St. Louis and they'd, they'd really struggled picking up uh, like being in the St. Louis area for quite a while. I mean, Snyder picked yeah. up a few here and there, but like they really struggled in St. Louis. Um, and so they've, they've picked up a star kid from St. Louis and that's big picking up, you know, a kid from Oklahoma that had an Oklahoma state offer. Like that's big. So, you know, really picking up and getting the guys that they want. These are top of the board guys. These aren't like, you know, it's, Dylan Edwards is not the consolation prize. He was, he is the guy. They wanted him from the start and they got him. And that's humongous. It shows that, you know, they're, they're getting a lot better. Guys are really listening to their message. They can see the vision of where K-State could be, should be, and they're, they want to be here. And that's, all of those things are fantastic. And we lost some of that, you know, Ron Prince tried to, to blow that up when he was here. Snyder rebuilt it and then lost it again. Like, I mean, the K-State is not the kind of team that can go and build a roster full of Texans. And they, you know, that's how you end up like Nebraska, right? That's what, how, what Nebraska currently is. Like they're trying to recruit from all over the country instead of building in their backyard. And it's now you lose that identity of who you are. Whereas if you can build a roster at K-State, which is a developmental program where you know, we're not a blue blood, we're not Alabama where you can just pick the best players, then you've created a future that should, you know, continue to build on itself. And these guys that want to be here, that's how you beat KU every year. Because these kids grew up with it, and they know how important it is to their family and their friends that K State beat KU every year. That's why you don't have that random upset where you know KU beats Texas because Texas just does not care about KU, and that's why KU struggles to beat K State because they can't get these kids that care about the matchup with K State. They care, you know, they're Texas kids, and they care about the matchup with Texas. So it's all good. And if we can pick up Avery, then it's then it goes from good to great, right? And the only other one that, that does that is John Randall, the other running back out of Wichita, who's another four-star. You know, if, if he picks K-State, then, I mean, talking about to the moon. Like, that's, you know, where we're at here. It's, it's, you know, and those guys don't move the needle at OU or Texas or Alabama, but they do at K-State. And, uh, you know, they're, the, the staff is doing a really good job of selling that, I think. And that's, that's been fantastic. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'll, I'll be succinct for once in my life. Um, <laughs> you, you know that I'm skeptical of recruiting in general, but, and I don't follow it nearly as closely. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I, when, <clears throat> when we get a commit, I look at a few things and the thing that I've noticed in the last year or two is that most of the guys that we're getting have offers from legit power five programs. It's not yeah. like the late Snyder years when we were beating out Louisiana Tech and you know other right. uh, G five type schools or UTEP like if, and yeah you know or if they did have power oh, five offers, they were like Jeez. yeah they were like KU and Iowa State like well we beat out KU and Iowa State for a recruit like phenomenal <laughs> so I mean that you know from that perspective uh, it, it's definitely encouraging for me even as someone who yeah I, I won't say that I don't care about recruiting but you know I. <laughs> Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of more of a like, well, once they're on campus, we'll see what they have, but you know, you got to have some raw materials to work with. And this is looking, looking up for sure. Well, like Edwards, yeah. I mean, he had legit committable offers to Nebraska and Oklahoma and nine years out of 10, he's picking one of those two offers. Right. And this year, you know, he picked K-State 
over those offers. And, you know, I said it on Twitter, but, and it was come from a text from my dad. Like if you would have told somebody in 1990 <laughs> that K-State was going to beat Nebraska and Oklahoma out for recruit, then, you know, you did a lot, laughed you out off and put you on the phone farm because yeah. well, you know, it, it was insane. And even really five, 10 years ago, it would have been on, you know, it would have been mm-hmm. like say, well, maybe, but you know, OU is going to win that battle every day. Yeah. Like, yeah. Well, his K-State might compete, but OU's cool going to win. But, yeah. Oh yeah. They were all fired up. I, I, mean, I love his K-State, parents But reaction. he was like, yeah, everybody else joined K-State too. Like this is going to be the place. So was, yeah, he's, he's yeah, been recruiting nonstop ever since. And that's, right. again, that's these, these huge things. And that's how you build quality rosters in the age of the transfer portal. You got guys that are excited about being at your hometown school and want to be here and want other guys to be here. And it's, it's all good things. All good things. Yeah. I mean, if we really want to dream big, you know, imagine what a national championship could do for calculus <laughs> realignment. Well, I think, I mean, even just making the college football playoff would do it. I mean, that, it's done it for Cincinnati, right? I mean, they, that was why they were a target for the Big 12, because they made the college football playoff and they made a name for themselves. And if, you know, if K-State could do that, it would be, it would be like, you know, where K-State was headed in 98. Right. Or, you know, at the very least 97 when they won the Fiesta Bowl. And it's like, oh, man, these guys are actually like legit and good and staying here. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that's a, that's a good place to leave it. We'll see how the – I think we're, what, 50, maybe less than 50 days till season opener? Yeah. I haven't been paying attention to Bracket Cat Countdown. Yeah. I remember where we're at here. Not too far, though. So, anyway – Thanks for coming on, guys. JT and Ty, always fun. Yeah, it was great. Yep. Thanks, guys. All right. I'm Luke Thompson. Signing off.